0: Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface and to hold space for meaningful conversations. We're going to talk about life and love and basically everything in between. This is a place where done is better than perfect, where quality triumphs quantity, and where you can really just come as you are. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it, y'all. Now, not only are we gonna be real, we're gonna have fun too. Scouts honor. I promise you this. I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, you are so welcome. And before we get started, pause and make sure you're subscribed to the Refine Collective Podcast on iTunes so that each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And if you're an old friend, um, welcome back. Hi there. I already know you're all subscribed and good to go. But would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be incredibly grateful for that. Now, I used to feel like all weird and awkward about asking you to do this, but then I listened to Oprah's podcast, and even she asks her listeners to do it. In the podcast world, those subscribes and ratings and reviews really, really help us. So thank you in advance. You are the best. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, find me on Instagram at The Refined Woman or my podcast-specific account at The Refined Collective and send me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Sam Collier is a pastor, speaker, writer, and host of The greater story with sam collier tv show and radio podcast a greater story is also the name of his first book that is currently out and you should 1000 percent grab because it is an incredible story it's his life story and something that i was so reminded of as i read the pages of this book was how you never know what another human being has gone through until you get to hear their story from their lips. And it just reminded me to always stop and pause and listen to someone's story, whether it is in a book or sitting down next to a friend at coffee and just being like, hey, I want to know you. What is it like to be you? What is it like to be in your shoes? What is it like to be in your world? Because the reality is we all have hurts. We all have hangups. We all have disappointments. And every single one of us have also overcome many, many things. So Sam's story, a greater story, is just that his life story, his adoption story, meeting his birth mother through Steve Harvey. Y'all, it literally sounds like a movie. But what an incredible man. I really enjoyed our conversation. And if you stay until the very end, we we get into romantic dynamics between men and women. And he just has so many profound and challenging things to say. So stay until the end. And let's just get right on to it. Welcome to another episode of the Refine Collective podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris. And today I have yet another person that I have, you know, watched from afar on social media that I now get the. Just pleasure to chat with today. He's coming out with his very first book. It's going to be an absolute international success. I know it because I just got it today and I'm already halfway done. It's definitely one of those books. I was telling you guys recently about Ruthie Lindsay's book. There I am. I read it in a day and a half. This is another book like that. It is called a greater story by Sam Collier and Sam. Welcome to the podcast.
1: It is such an honor to be here. Kat is it just cat? <laughs> is it just cat?
0: Well, my real name is Katherine Elizabeth Harris. So whatever you nice. <laughs> however you want to nice. call me.
1: Now, did you have you always loved Kat or was or do you like Catherine more? Do you know?
0: Oh my gosh, this is such a good question. And I'm, it's hilarious you're asking it because I kind of say that I have a midlife crisis about my name. <laughs> 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 because growing up, everyone knew me as Catherine. The only person that called me Kat was my dad. And then wow. for whatever reason, that it like it flip-flopped so when I started my business I've been a photographer for over a decade right no one remembered Katherine Harris photography but if I introduced myself as Kat like everyone remembered it and so now all my family calls me Catherine and most of my friends and business stuff is Kat so <laughs> it used to be like only people that were really close to me called me Kat and now it's only the people really close to me, call me Catherine. So. Wow. wow. There's the story. So I feel yeah.
1: like, I mean, I don't <laughs> want to say we're close because we, we just really met Matt, but I, I, I'm going to try cat. Okay. Right. Or yeah. no, Catherine, I should do Catherine. No. Okay. I'm gonna do cat. I don't See, know. Where.
0: It's confusing, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just flip flop.
0: Okay, you can you can totally flip flop. And okay. what about you? Are, are you Sam, Sammy, Samuel?
1: Sammy, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's my my actual name is Samuel, mm-hmm. and it is spelled without the e. Okay. And so my mother got creative and added an apostrophe. So it's oh. like S A M U apostrophe L. So depending on where I am, some people are like Samuel, and I'm like, no, <laughs> it's. It's actually Samuel, but I understand where they are. Yeah. I mean, you can call me either or. Now, if you call me, usually people call me Samuel when they're trying to get my attention mm-hmm. and they're trying to, like, make a point. They're like, Samuel, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just... A- or if you're in trouble. Does I'm your wife trouble? say your full name
0: when you're in trouble?
1: <laughs> what does she say? No, she just says Sam. She just, It's like a really strong but, like, soft Sam. Like, Sam? You know what I'm saying? Ooh, this, like, and that's when you know she means business. Right. She kind of says Samuel when she's trying to be like lovey-dovey. You oh, know, she's yeah. like, Samuel. You know, I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah. We yep.
0: Well, I think so. I just got in a situation with, with one of my guy friends. I thought his name was Michael because his. Email says like Michael dot his last name at whatever gmail.com. Yeah. And so I've been calling this person Michael for, I don't know, a year. And just this last week, I was talking to my friend about him and she's like, who's that? And I was like, you know, Michael, he, like, serves on the video team. <laughs> right, he's
1: right, like, right.
0: No one ever calls him that. Everyone probably thinks you like him because only people, when they're flirty, say the guy's full name. And I was like, oh, shoot.
1: <laughs> so that's not his name or
0: that is his name? He goes by Mike. Wow. I guess I'm the only person on the planet that didn't get the memo.
1: So do you like him?
0: You know, I think he's a great guy. Uh, but <laughs>
1: there's a butt. He's okay.
0: he's he's seeing someone. So like you know, it's off the
1: table. It's off um, the table. But is it really? I'm just. I mean, kidding. ain't no I mean, ring, ain't no
0: thing. no thing, right? Right.
1: That's. A, <laughs> <laughs> I I was at a church and the pastor said that they were like, "Look, you want to be respectful, but until they got a ring on, right? Mm-hmm. So ain't
0: no ring, ain't no thing." <laughs> ain't no ring, ain't no. Th- I well, mean, but Michael I've been calling him by his full name right? now for a while, so he has to know. There's like a little bit of, there's a little something, something.
1: Right, and on. he hasn't corrected you.
0: He hasn't corrected me. Okay, I think I'm engaged. Am I engaged? <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: my gosh! I think you <laughs> might be married? engaged, and you don't know it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I'm prophesying over myself right now. <laughs>
1: just lifted my hands i'm like okay yes lord
0: on. we receive um, it we lord. receive it jesus said now is the time i receive it
1: right receive receive, receive.
0: um okay sam um before we get started i, I want to try something new i usually have people tell me how to keep up with them and get their books all that jazz at the end of the podcast but i feel like sometimes people check out in those last few minutes so let's get, let's, let's hear all your stuff, how we can get your book, how we can follow along with you in the beginning. And then I have a list of questions for you. So I hope you're ready.
1: Wow. (laughs) And you know, that's actually a good point. I do do think people like they hear the credits at the end and they're like, all right, all right, all right. all Um, Sam Collier, the new book, a greater story, depending on when this is coming out, when is is this coming out first week in August or before, do you know? Oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Let's put it out the first week of August. All
0: right. Yes, sir. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, the book is out right now, brand new um, on Baker Publishing. Um, you can get it on there or you can go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, agreaterstory.org, agreaterstory.org. Um, a- a- and really, I think during this season of kind of unrest, And also turmoil and what some would call a mess. I think God can is and he can, you know, make a miracle out of it. I think he's in the business of turning mess uh, messes into miracles. And that's kind of what the book is about. My life was a mess in the beginning and God redeemed the story. So.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I, like I said, I, I got your book this morning in the mail and I started reading it and your the very first line of your book, I think is so powerful and also props to you because I think having a powerful first sentence in a book is really hard and, yeah, yeah, and you really did it. So you say every miracle is a reaction to the impossible. Hmm. And you say, I would dare say that without the impossible miracles would not be needed. And I read that and it just kind of stopped me in my spirit because, you know, not only is this one of the weirdest years ever um, from, it's just... I feel like globally we're just going through something, you know, from yeah. the the pandemic to, you know, the boiling over of a much needed awakening in America with the Black Lives Matter movement, and now we I mean Kanye West is running for president yeah. and I'm like <laughs> Jesus, are you coming back? What is happening right now?
1: Right. And
0: so I just wanted to hear from you. Um where where in your life are you feeling like something that feels impossible? And where are you hoping for a
1: miracle right now? Wow. It feels impossible to put a book out in a pandemic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it wrecked all of my plans. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if it wrecked anyone else's plans. But I feel like everyone I talk to about business and family and marriages and weddings and you know all of the, it just wrecks you know, COVID nineteen came with <laughs> with with some with some force. And mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, it wasn't taking any prisoners and it's like it's coming and it's it came with no emotions. And it came to and it wrecked a lot of, you know, wrecked a lot of havoc. I lost a ton of Uh, some cousins and some aunties and, you know, you're losing lives left and right. And, you know, I I speak for a living. Um, And so the entire speaking industry pretty much collapsed. And for the first two to three months of this thing, because everybody had to go inside and you found yourself pivoting left and right, even with this whole book, it was like, man, we got to think about a whole new launch strategy because usually, you know, you put out a book, you go and speak about it. Mm-hmm. And that's what really helps to create that anticipation. Um, now you're like, man, maybe I can get this done over podcast. You're hoping. And that's why you're so, so grateful for podcasts, you know, like the Refined Collective and <laughs> and people like Catherine <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> um, that would, you know, open their doors. And it just it just, you know, and I get I think this can everyone can relate to kind of just your plans being wrecked. Maybe for the first two weeks it felt like a vacation, right? It was like, yes, I'm at home. I can not have to work. And then two weeks in, you know, people started losing jobs and losing yeah. people and losing lives and losing income and you know, having to change and pivot and you're going to wait. I, you know, entire businesses have shut down. And I think, you know, it, there was businesses. You know, down, 10 minutes down the road, been there for 20 years, shut down in a week, two weeks, um, just because of everything. And you find yourself, you know, in, in the impossible and coming up out of this is going, I need a miracle. And the good news, I think for me and, you know, as we've been just even thinking through this book is going, maybe this book can help people find the miracle that they need in this season. Because I needed one at one time and God gave it so
0: yeah yeah and even just when i when I read that, what I wrote in the sideline of my book of your book is I put comparison versus evidence and just how. How so often, I don't know if it's like this with men, but I feel like especially women. I've been a bridesmaid 17 times. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like the best friend you'll ever meet, Sam. (laughs) And, you know, you see God giving breakthrough for the prayer you've been praying for, for almost your whole life. Or, you know, I'll, I'll make it personal again. You know, there's addiction and dysfunction in my family. And, you know, we're praying and believing for the miracle. And it feels like it happens for other people and not for us. And I think sometimes, and again, I don't know if this is like a human thing or, or primarily as women what we do, but often it's like I can see someone else's breakthrough and I'm like, man, God is forgetting me and why why is he not doing this for me as opposed to man if god can do this for her if god can do this for him then he can do it for me and i just want to i for me i want to be an evidence gatherer but i honestly feel like at times like i see the breakthrough and i feel discouraged wow because i'm like well what about me god
1: yeah well i think i think to your point that's so big because As we think about God being a miracle worker, I think we have to look at what a miracle is. And we have to ask ourselves how we define it. And I think for many of us, a miracle in this season will be God moving a mountain. But for Mm -hmm. some of us, it will be God teaching us how to persevere. It will be learning how to be okay with not understanding everything it's for some of us, the miracle might be, man, I learned to trust God. It may be, I learned uh, to persevere when I, I wasn't, I-, I learned how much strength I actually had for many of us. The miracle will be that we learned a lesson that we needed for another season of life in which we'll need it. Hmm. And so I think it's all about how we look at things. I mean, uh, I, I don't know who I was talking to when I was saying this, but I was, you know, we were talking about the idea that whenever change happens, you know, there's always challenges and there's always opportunities mm-hmm. and it, it just comes with change. And then this pandemic, it's a change. So it has challenges. It has opportunities. Um, but depending on whether or not you capitalize on the opportunities that could be a miracle, um, is determined by where you decide to look. Mm-hmm. For many of us, when change and happens, we we tend to focus on the challenges. Mm, yeah. That's where we look. Yeah. It's just, and if you look there, that is all you'll see. But if you'll decide in the midst of the change to try to find the opportunity, then you may end up finding a miracle. Yeah, and I think you know, and I, if I were to just say it this way, be very practical: a hundred and thirty-some thousand people have lost their lives and in the U.S. from COVID-19 since it began. But also at the same time, within three months, (laughs) Zoom made (laughs) $5 billion.
0: Man, why was I not investing into Zoom?
1: (laughs) And by no means am I trying to trivialize because I lost my aunt, I lost my uncle, I lost my biological father, who I never met, but talked to twice in three weeks within COVID. So I understand. Well, all I'm trying to say is while all of those challenges were present, there was opportunities as well. Mm -hmm. And for me, you have to do your best to manage your challenges. You have to, because the challenges are there. They're not going anywhere. But if you're not careful, you'll spend so much time focusing and managing your challenges that you miss the opportunities. And I think when we see other people win, for many of us, We tend to only focus on the challenge of that. Well, I'm not winning in that way. Right. And we, and we start to focus on what we don't have instead of going, well, what is the opportunity in here? What, what is the lesson for me? Is it that I'm not ready for what they have? Is it, is, is, is the opportunity learning how to be grateful and how to celebrate other people? Maybe that is even the lesson in that. Maybe that's the miracle that for once I learned how to celebrate someone else, wow, and in yeah. that, you know, and in that celebration, I discovered something about myself that I was missing that I actually need in order to attract the right person into mm-hmm. my life. Okay, come on, right? Yes. So it, again, you know, God is good, and yeah. the idea that we believe in God is choosing to accept that no matter what no matter what situations, you know, happen in our life, that he is good. And that good, and that we don't define good based on our own understanding of good, but based on the idea that God is good. So that if he, so because he is good, he is still working everything for our good, even though it may not look good. And so yeah. it, but, but, and, 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 and some of that is sometimes the miracle. He can move the mountain. And for many people listening, I will say this, let God step in, listen to him. And for many of you out there, he will move a mountain. Hmm. He will. I just want to take a moment and say he will relaunch your business he will get you a new job. He will open a door. He will send a spouse. He will make you stronger. He will increase you financially if you lean on him. If you and you count on him in this season, you will see a miracle in your life, mm. in a very tangible way. But for others, he may teach you how to persevere, and he will be. God's never promised us perfection but that he would be with us in the imperfection and that if he doesn't move the mountain, he'll give us the power to climb it.
0: If you know anything about me, you know this. I love Beyonce, Jesus, talking about dating and relationships, and I'm also obsessed with skincare. I started really taking care of my skin a few years ago, and I mean really taking care of it, from regimens to serums to all the anti-aging stuff. And now, as a 35-year-old, The one thing I wish I would have known in my 20s about skincare is that it's never too early to start. One brand I've really come to appreciate is Beauty Bio. They have an incredible patented at-home micro-needling tool called the Glow Pro. It's a micro-needling regeneration tool. What they're passionate about? In-office results, at-home, and with accessible price points. Because as much as I love skincare, there's no way I can afford $400 lotions and elixirs. It's just not going to happen. This micro-needling treatment helps create firm, smoother, younger-looking skin with tighter pores. And who doesn't want tighter pores? Not only is it incredible for anti-aging and financially accessible, it also doesn't add hours onto your skin regimen. I'm all about function and efficiency, y'all. And in just 60 seconds a day with Beauty Bio, you'll see your results. So go to beautybio.com and check out their Glow Pro micro needling Regeneration Tool and use TRC15 for 15% off your first order at checkout. That's beautybio.com and use TRC15 for 15% off your first order. So much of my life, Sam, I think I thought, you know, life is either good or bad. You're either happy or sad. It's either right or wrong. And yet, my in my experience, I feel like Jesus, it like lives in these spaces of our lives that are not the black or the white and not the either or, but the both and like what you're saying, the challenge and the opportunity. So yeah. yeah, life is hard and it's sad and I'm frustrated or like whatever the thing is in one hand. And and I also want to have the courage to hold on to hope. I think one of the most audacious things we can do in this season is have the courage to hope and declare possibility over our lives because Jesus says that hope doesn't put us to shame. So even kind of even back to that, you know, every miracle is a reaction to the impossible. Like, we wouldn't need faith if there was an impossible. Yeah. And and God wants to do the impossible. And I just, I guess like for me, I've been in a season of like the both and. And I'm just like, you know what, today I'm going to laugh and I'm going to laugh my ass off and I'm going to do it to the glory of God and I'm going to have fun. And then I'm also going to allow myself to grieve and have a hard time. And I remember I was, I was doing a zoom therapy call with my therapist, um, over COVID and, you know, I've been processing through a lot of my past and, you know, I grew up in a home with addiction and, um, my dad was a, was, is an addict, an alcoholic and a crack addict. And we were kind of processing through one of his relapses. And my therapist goes, I'm so glad your dad relapsed. And I was like, what, (laughs) (laughs) excuse me. Right. And she goes, because look at what God has done in your life and look what God has done in your family and look what God has done in your dad's life. And I don't, understand why it had to happen this way, but God chose to allow it to happen through this really, really painful thing. And look how close God has been. Look how much He has worked. And just to make it personal in my own life, I didn't know how much I idolized my dad. I didn't know how much I was still so stuck in the trauma of my past had that relapse not happened. And so I think it was like one of those moments, Sam, where it was like, Man, if anyone else would have said this at any other time, I probably would have just punched him <laughs> or slapped him in the face.
1: Exactly.
0: But it was just the perfect timing of realizing, man, like God really is working, even in the moments where it feels it feels hopeless or it feels like nothing good can come out of this. I don't know if that makes sense.
1: One hundred percent. And you know, what what you're talking about is redefining how we view life Mm. and how we view God and how we view and how we view circumstances that it's not as black and white as we want to make it. You know, I think we're going to get to heaven one day and look down and look back and go, Oh, (laughs) right. I think we're going to be like, wow. Um, that, that, That makes a lot more sense than it did when it was happening. And now that I can see the full picture, I understand it more. I think God is always in the business of stretching our understanding. You know, people commit suicide, many of them, not, I mean, and I want to say, aside from those that are clinically, you know, diagnosed with mental health issues, people commit suicide outside of that, mostly And I've been able to sit with a lot of patients and a lot of people that have been on the edge because of a lack of understanding and a limited scope. So, in other words, they get so focused on what their reality is that and and, and they accept that reality as the only reality Hmm. that they can't they lock themselves in a box that does not allow for them to, to see a, another, a, that, that, that there could possibly be something else to it. Right. And I know because I was there mm-hmm. and my wife has been there. And you get to the point where you go, well, I guess this is all life is. And so because of that, why would I stay? I guess I'll never, life will never be better. I guess this is what, and you, and you settle for limited understanding of life. And God, for the rest of our lives, just like in counseling, right, he's always stretching our mental capacity and giving us, that's what the Bible talks about, being renewed by our minds, the renewing of our minds, be trans, um, let me say it way: being transformed by the renewing of our minds, because the idea of that is that. Um, as our mind changes, our life changes as we stretch and our, as our perspectives shift, we start to see things that we never saw before and life starts to make a little bit more sense. And we, and we start to go, man, this thing isn't as black and white as I thought it was. And because it's not as black and white as I thought it was, there is hope to your point. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as limited as I thought it was. Mm -hmm. I'm not as locked up as I thought I was. I'm not as limited. I'm not. Oh, wait a minute. I can get out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, our minds have to, they have to shift. And that's the, the book. We're talking about the book. it, The book outlines so much of that. Mm-hmm. It gives formulas, scriptures, um, and, and real life stories about how you can stretch your mind to see something that you may not have ever seen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your story. And I 100% want people to, Absolutely, get the book. Um, but I want to, you know, I want you to just share a little bit about your story. I love the intro of your book. Um, it's called "The Words That Changed Everything," and um, even before that, you know, can we just talk about how you got to meet Steve Harvey?
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: <laughs> is he as amazing and incredible as I hope
1: he is? Um, he's. Oh, no. <laughs> Everything you think about Steve Harvey, multiply it. Oh, yes. Okay. I thought
0: you were going down a different road. I got no. real scared.
1: <laughs> he's funnier in person than online. He's wilder in person than online. Mm-hmm. He's more profound in person than online. I think he's <laughs> and a he's pastor.
0: I think Steve Harvey is a pastor. Have you ever he seen his, be. like, in, in the commercials in between the show, like, his pastor moments?
1: I call him Reverend Steve.
0: Wow. Definitely. Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. So let's.
1: You know, me and Steve, we got to reunite a couple months ago. And, um, you know, I told him about everything that happened from uh, the show that we'll talk about, which is where the book came from. Um, And he I mean, he said, I'm buying 500 books. I mean, he just committed. It was crazy. So it was. Steve is a phenomenal guy. Wow,
0: that's incredible. So, how let's talk about how you got to meet Steve Harvey and just a little bit about your story.
1: One hundred percent. Long story short, I was adopted at two months. Me and my twin sister got adopted together. Um, speaking about crack addiction, my father was addicted to crack and drugs and left the picture. Well, you know, we had three siblings, which we, some of this we found out in hindsight. Didn't even know and. Um, Our mother was 21 when she had me and my twin sister And had three siblings already So she had five kids Age 21 And and same mother, same father Our dad left the picture We got given up for adoption We got adopted in two months Raised in a middle class family Black family Around age 24 Our dad who adopted us said It's time to go find your biological family You could grow up one day and marry your cousin And and you would never know it (laughs) That's a good point. Crazy. (laughs) Right. Um, And he had a barbershop down on Auburn Avenue, and every day he would watch Steve Harvey as he would cut hair. He said the Lord told him that Steve Harvey was going to help us find our biological family. That's crazy. And so he came home to talk to us about it. Um, And I thought he was crazy. So I got up and left. He convinced my sister to write into the show. Um, a year goes by the Steve Harvey show calls us. Um, I answer the phone. There's a lady by the name of Dorothy who had just left Jerry Springer the week before. It was her first week at at Steve Harvey at the show and in Chicago when he took Oprah's place. And she said, we think we can help you find your biological family. Do you want to do it? I said, uh, let me call my sister. My sister said, no. But I think we have to. They flew us up. Me, my sister, my adopted parents. And they brought us on the show and they said, we're so sorry we couldn't find anybody. We hired a private detective Um, and we couldn't find anybody. But we we want to bring you on to make a plea. Steve had us on. He went to commercial break. Earth, Wind and Fire came on on the commercial break. He started singing and dancing with the crowd. (laughs) He came back after commercial, snapped back, and the character said, we know we said that uh, we didn't find your birth mother, but that's not the case. Wow. She's here. Eleanor, come on out. Wow. And on national television, we met our biological mother for the first time. He said, and your siblings are here, and we met the three siblings.
0: Okay, I have not gotten to that part of the book yet. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay, can I just ask, like, a uh like a maybe more like a logistical question about that like yeah having that moment i feel like just in general and maybe this is because i have struggled with like anxiety in the past but i feel like the amount of emotion i would feel in that moment would be very overwhelming and then on top of that to have that moment so public were you able to be like really present in that moment? Like what was kind of going on in your head? When did you even think maybe Steve is bringing us here because they found something out? What was that like to have that moment on national television?
1: Yeah, it was crazy. I, um, I think we knew it was te- TV. Mm-hmm. So there was a 50% chance in our minds that, they found somebody, mm-hmm. but we weren't sure Yeah, because if you've ever been on a show like that, if you're not like a celebrity at the time or, you know, an owner of something and they're interviewing you for whatever, then they kind of treat you like you've never been on TV before. Mm-hmm. So they write your lines for you. You rehearse the lines like 10 times. Oh, wow. Um. Yeah. So they're, they're anticipating what Steve's going to say. Then they tell you what you should say. And then you just go and go and go. So we had rehearsed all of our lines. And so when we got on, you know, we, we weren't really sure. Yeah. I, I I say to people, if you watch the clip, just Google Sam Collier, Steve Harvey, you'll be able to find the clip. Um, that's, I mean, if you watch it, when our mother walks out, I put my head down Wow. And I put my head down because I'm thinking, well, people are gonna think I'm crying, so that's good.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: My sister was crying. Wow. And I put my head down because I had so many emotions, I didn't know which one to choose. Mm. I didn't know if I should be happy, sad, angry, excited. I mean, I just I had no idea. And uh I heard an audible voice that it was God say to me snap out of it you on TV <laughs> and hug your biological mother and i snapped out gave her a hug and he said we'll deal with these emotions later and we did and uh so it was it was pretty overwhelming
0: where do you really go from there you know i mean you you talk you talk in your book you know family doesn't always mean blood and so i think something that really stood out to me about your story was you know you kind of talk about like all these statistics about when a child is abandoned by their mother and what what type of people what happens to that person the trauma the what happens with the absence of a parent and you know you just say in your book you say whatever lack i was supposed to be experiencing from the absence of my biological family i just didn't i didn't have it and so it sounds like you've had this like I mean beautiful family life growing up and then I guess what I'm I was wondering when I read that was like would it have been better if you never met your biological mother like would life have been easier or were you glad to go down that road did did it bring complication into your
1: life It's a great question I um I think my dad was right simply Because there are, you know, it's the whole idea of nature versus nurture. I think nurturing wise, we needed to be raised where we were Mm -hmm. to be who we are. I think nature wise, there are certain things that you can only figure out from your biological family. Now, had we never met them, I think we still would have been fine. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's, it's bare bones things like my dad had diabetes. So now I know to look out for that, you know. You know, you start to understand different the different pro- proclivities that you have based on your DNA. You know, growing up, um, I had a woman thing, right? I liked women a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the grace of God, He stepped in and helped redefine the way I look at women because I was raised on hip hop. You know, <laughs> so it was like I'm looking at him, how Lil Wayne looking at, him. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Drake. That's how I learned. Um, but my brother has the same thing. My father had the same thing,
0: Wow,
1: you know, and we, you know, it had to get our minds renewed. And so, you know, you just start to learn stuff like that. And I think that's just very important. Um, just, just for, just for you to be every, you know, now I don't even want to say everything that God wants you to be, but just so you can have context, yeah for who you are, (laughs) you know, um, and, and what your biological kids will probably experience. So I will say this, I am glad I didn't meet them sooner Mm -hmm. because that's a lot to process emotionally. And like my biggest issue, and I don't even even want to use the word issue. uh, Maybe I'll use the word tension has was you know has been and it was where do i put my mother in my heart yeah. because the mom hole was f- filled already the dad hole was filled because of our parents so i didn't have any space mm-hmm. so it's like well where do i put you because i can't take mom out of mom's space mm-hmm. and you can't have that space but you can have a space and i got to figure out what that's going to be and so that's the journey i went down
0: All right, raise your hand if you've ever watched those commercials with women letting down their soft, silky, and perfect hair, but you don't get the same results from your shampoo. You need a better solution, and you need the right product for you without any gimmicks because who's tired of gimmicks? I know I am. All right, Function of Beauty is hair care that is formulated specifically for you. No matter your hair type, they create shampoo, conditioner, and treatments to fit your unique needs. How unique, you ask? Function of Beauty has over 54 trillion possible ingredient combinations to make sure your formula is just as unique as you. Here's how it works. First, you take a quick but thorough quiz and tell them a little bit about your hair. Next, Function of Beauty's team determine the right blend of ingredients, then bottle your custom formula to order. Then they deliver your personalized formula right to your door in a cute customized bottle with your favorite color and fragrance. They even print your name on it, y'all. I freaking love it. Plus, their formulas are vegan and cruelty-free. They never use sulfates, parabens, or any other harmful ingredients. For a person who really cares about clean and safe and toxic-free products like myself, I really appreciate the intentionality that Function of Beauty has with their products. Function of Beauty is not just the first-ever custom hair brand. It is the internet's top-rated customized hair care brand with over 40,000 real five-star reviews and counting. So what are you waiting for? Go to functionofbeauty.com slash refined to take your four-part hair profile quiz and save 20% on your first order. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash refined for 20% off and to let them know how you heard about it from our show. Remember that's functionofbeauty.com slash refined. Y'all it's time to get some silky hair. What do you say? I want to ask you 3000 more questions about that, but I also just want people to read your book. So people read the book to figure out the rest of that story. Um, And then do you mind if we shift gears a little bit? Sure. Okay. Cause I read, there is something that I, there's something that I read in your book. And I just felt like, I don't know what he meant here, but I, I definitely have a question about this. So you said you were talking about your relationship and your family and being a man and being a black man. And you said, Collier men were silent. I became silent too. And, you know, you kind of talk about these like quiet morning drives to your dad's barbershop and what, what, what it brought up for me is I just felt like, man, what a difference and growing up as a man than a woman. As women, we are expected to be talkative. We're expected to nurture. We're it's, it's fostered for us. I mean, how many churches have, you know, Friday night for the ladies, you know, women's ministry, women's retreats, and then right. it's like crickets when it comes to men. And then I think as single women, so many women come to me and are like, well, why aren't there more like godly guys out there? Or why aren't guys asking girls, out and in my head I'm like well as women like in the church we're like fostered to be these godly women and we're fostered to talk about deep things but it doesn't seem that way as men and why are we so intentional intentional about women but we're not this have the same intentionality about men and so I wanted to ask you why do you think that and then also what does it feel like to be a man in our culture today.
1: Yeah. Um let, let me just clarify your question about men as it pertains to the church. Mm-hmm. Is that what you mean? Yeah. I think men, you know, I think we go in the caves and we hibernate and we hide out and we're comfortable. And so I think the engagement is a little different. I think the men's ministries that I've seen done well are usually those that focus on nature and, and going to meet a man where he is versus trying to get him to, to come where you are. Mm -hmm. And I just think we're just wired very different in that. And, uh, it's harder. And I think it requires a lot more intentionality to really do it well. And even, even for men, Mm -hmm. I'll be honest. Some of the hardest people for me to lead has been men. Women are easier to lead. They just
0: are.
1: Um, I think it's just because women, well, one y'all don't really have egos like that. <laughs> like, y'all, y'all have them, you know for sure. Women definitely have egos, but y'all are not really super like ego, like ego driven. Um, and so I think we are. Women tend to they they're, they they tend to be more helpful. They're t- <laughs> you know, you guys are just. I always say, you want to get anything done, hire a bunch of women, right? Yeah. I mean. Um, that women are just really resourceful. They're very smart. Um, not to say that guys aren't cause we are. Um, but w- women just are easier. They're easier to, to, uh, see a vision and kind of run with it with men. It takes more explaining. Mm. Um, it takes more time. Um, there's a sense of respect. There's a sense of ego. There's a sense of pride. You want to know where I fit into it. It's more, it requires more intentionality mm. to really lead men well, um, it's, it's I don't want to say it's harder. It's just much more tedious mm-hmm. um, and it requires more detail based on where we are. Because we're in the cave. You got to come get us out the cave.
0: And why did you go in the cave?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just think we're comfortable there. You know, it's like I can control it. I'm kind of me, you know, being emotional for men, you know, especially in this culture. You know, kind of moving to your second question. You know, it it has been taught that it's it's weak to be emotional. It's weak to be vulnerable. So you learn that the best and honestly, you know, when you grow up, you know, I told you I had a women thing growing up because of hip hop. Mm -hmm. Women don't like super emotional men. Mm -hmm. And so when you, you know, women tend to be really attracted to stability in a man and strength, you know, and at times definitely they want to want you to be vulnerable, but if you're too like emotional, it's kind of like I'm like it's like I'm emotional. I don't want you to be mm. like, um, I need you to kind of be so it is that delicate dance of still being human, but also, you know, providing a sense of some sense of strength um in in society. Mm. Um, so I, I do think some of it's been demonized for us to be uh, more emotional, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: or too emotional. But I don't know. You know, we're, we're out here figuring it yeah,
0: out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had a conversation with one of my guy friends. I was just on a trip, and there was a bunch of us in the house. So you know having bonfires and late night talks and stuff. And, you know, we were t- kind of talking about how, you know, there's this whole, you know, the future is female idea, ideology that's going on right now, which I don't agree with as a woman of faith. I think the future is mago day, like the future is men and women made in the image of God. Nice. Um, and, but we were just talking about, you know, even us, we're on this trip, there's like, you know, 12 people on this trip, all of us are single. And we're like, why are so many of us still single? We want to be in relationships. And, you know, what one of my guy friends said is he said, you know, I think a lot of us feel like as men, we want to feel needed. And we love that you are running your own businesses and your moguls and all this stuff. But sometimes we just feel like you don't need us anymore. And it feels de- like kind of demotivating or um, paralyzing to ask a woman out when you don't really know if she needs you or even wants you in her life. And I thought that was such an interesting perspective. And just as a man of God yourself, what what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I think the way God designed us is to be protectors and providers. And you know, people always say men thrive on respect, women thrive on love. Mm-hmm. a good friend of mine said that, you know, it's the reason women wear makeup and guys lie. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think that a a part of being needed helps to satisfy that desire in us to protect and to provide. And when you feel like you're not needed, then you're like, well, you kind of lose your identity a little Mm -hmm. bit. You go, well, this is who I've been created to be. What do I do? Do I not, am I not needed to protect? Am I not needed to provide? And so you're always, as a man, kind of looking for that space to protect. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I need to, pro- I want to protect, but I don't, I guess she doesn't need me to protect. When in actuality you do, yeah. women love to be protected. Yeah. I've been around women before that, you know, they're just very hard, you know, not only these were hard, but very independent, very, you know, they have the persona, which for many, for many women, they, they've had to be that way because they weren't protected. Mm-hmm. But you know, they're they're doing that so that so that they can lead themselves effectively, so that they can lead a life that is similar to what they want to live and lead. But it doesn't mean that they still don't want a man to protect. They just they just they've just had to fill that hole themselves. So I do think you know we're living in a time and living in the day and age where independence is being taught, and it and it honestly. I dare say is, is not biblical. Mm-hmm. I know that God wants us to be independent of one another. In fact, I think he has taught us to rely on one another. Right. And so I, I think it's a counter cultural narrative um, that goes against what God even desires for men, for men and women to function at. Or uh, for that matter, Christians. Mm -hmm. I think there's so many scriptures that talk about us bearing one another's burdens. Mm -hmm. When Paul talks about the idea of putting on the full armor of God, he mentions praying without ceasing for each other. Yeah. It's the idea that not even is it just men and women working together and not necessarily being all independent, but, but Christians in, itse- in itself not being independent to the point to where we don't need each other. Right. He tells us to lean on each other. Right. So I think the Christian narrative in general rejects that idea. And I think as you even start to funnel it down, you start to see the breakdown in men and women.
0: Right. I think that's such a good point. And even as you're saying that, I was, I'm thinking about, I had a girl, a girlfriend tell me recently that she doesn't want to be in a relationship because she doesn't want to lose her independence. And yeah. I said, you know, if you lose your, you know, if you lose yourself in a relationship, that's called codependence. <laughs> that's, you know, but like the, I think what you're talking about, like the invitation from God is interdependence. Like I, and I think that's the beauty of like the, you know, the romantic relationship and even friendship is like, I don't need you. I want you. I choose you, yeah. you know, and I want to yeah. bear your burden. Like, it's my choice to do that. It's my joy to do that. And as opposed to, I think we think, oh my gosh, like, I have to say I'm going to be the independent woman because if I'm not independent, then I'm going to be codependent and I'm going to be stuck in dysfunction. When like, I think that constantly, the the tension is like culture says one thing and then like the religious spirit says another thing. But I think the way of Jesus is a third way, right? It's like with Jesus, there's always like a third option. (laughs) It doesn't have to be like total independence or total codependence and dysfunction. It can be another way. And so I guess just finally just kind of just one more follow-up question on that then is, you know, you talk about, Growing up as a baby, just a few months old, being in the foster system. And it seems like at every point, someone was like speaking death over you. You know, oh, we don't want you. You know, you don't want, you don't want these two. You know, they come from dysfunction, you know, choose someone else. And I just couldn't help but think in that of like the power of our words, you know, the power of we get to speak life over someone or we speak death. Like, am I speaking blessing or, or am I speaking curse? And just in light of what we were just talking about, I'm just so curious of as, as, as women, how would you encourage us women to speak life? Like, how can we speak life over the men in our lives in a culture like we're in today? Wow.
1: Wow. How do we speak life over men? I think a large part of it is understanding how men are wired because then you'll know what to say i think one of one of man's greatest longing longings if you will is i want to make sure i say it right <laughs> <laughs> one of our greatest longings is to to make someone else proud mm. and to be worthy of of life and of living and of leadership that, that we actually got something accomplished that we weren't disappointments, but that we mattered. And so I think understanding that as a desire, which is where the respect comes from Mm. for us, like we thrive off of feeling respected, right? It's because we want to feel strong. We want to feel like we matter. We want to feel like we're important um, like, like, like someone's proud of us, like the, Hey, you know what? I, I see you and I respect you and I honor you, mm. um, for, for what you have done. Um, that's our, one of our greatest things. So from that place, you know, that's, that's an amazing place to encourage from.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, man, look at what you've done. Mm. I see you waking up every day and trying. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, um, you're giving it your all. You're giving it your best. You know, look, look at how how you protect it. You know, so many of those, that that is what makes a man thrive. When a man is not accomplishing, then he begins to die. Hmm. He begins to die. It's one of the reasons why when men aren't doing anything or they lose their job, they just spiral. They get depressed oh. because we find many of us, our identities or our energy from um, the ability to accomplish and to provide.
0: So as women, when we're saying things like there's no godly guys left there's you know, why aren't, why aren't you manning up? Like when we're saying stuff like that, it almost sounds like those words are like salt to the wound of like the deepest insecurity of the male heart.
1: 100%. And, but many women don't understand that because they're not wired Mm. that way. So so it just seems like words. It's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> like they're going to be able to shrug that off. Wow. They're men. They're not emotional, yeah. but not understanding. No, no, no. You just hit our core oh. need. And for you, you can shrug it off. For us, we're thinking about it for 20 years.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much for sharing that and letting me go down that rabbit hole with you.
1: <laughs> of course. Of course.
0: Yeah. Um, well, Sam, I am just really grateful for your wisdom. I am trying to contain myself cause I have, I'm counting like 12 questions that I didn't even ask you. <laughs> um, so maybe I'll have to have you come back on, but I just want to thank you, um, for your time, for your wisdom, for sharing your story. And also I feel like I listen to your podcast and not only are you a pastor speaker and podcaster and, you know, family man as well, but you're also a singer. I was like, wait, is that you singing at the end of your podcast?
1: (laughs) What? Well, I don't know what song it was, was but we do, depending on when this comes out. We do have an EP dropping. I shot a music video recently. I kind of came out of retirement. It's wild, but it's because it's such a part of my story is music, yeah. and so I had to, uh, I had to give a song that just helped people that were reading um, connect to. To that part of my yeah. life. So
0: So basically you're a triple threat and you're mogul. Ah! <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> well, Sam, why don't you one more time tell us how we can get your book, how we can follow along with you on social media and all the things.
1: Of course. Go to a greater And you can find everything you need there. Sam Collier on all platforms and, um, you know, be encouraged. And remember when your story connects to God's story, it leads to a greater story.
0: Mm, Amen. So good. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. If you are new here, maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics, questions, comments, concerns that you have about what we're up to. Follow us on Instagram, The Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you wanna hear about. Let me know what you wanna talk about and I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.